Welcome to the reading of the Quad City Times for today, February 21st. It is Wednesday. All material heard on Iris is intended solely for the use of people with print disabilities. Your readers today are Pam Rhodes and Patty Daniels. Here's our first story. Senate passes, uh, excuse me, Senate GOP pass Religious Freedom Bill. Dems worry it will allow discrimination. Whether proposed legislation would strengthen protections for religious expression in Iowa or provide legal cover for discrimination was at the heart of an expansive and passionate debate Tuesday by state lawmakers at the Iowa Capitol. The proposed legislation, Senate File 2095, is called by supporters the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Under it, the government would have to prove there is a compelling state interest in pursuing legal action against individuals who claim their actions were an expression of religious freedom and then that any legal remedy against them must be narrowly tailored. Supporters say the bill is needed because, in their view, U.S. Supreme Court rulings have eroded religious freedom protections that were passed into federal law in 1993. The federal law applies only to the federal government, but at least two dozen states have passed state-level versions of the legislation. The Iowa Senate debated the proposed legislation for nearly 90 minutes Tuesday before approving it, with all Republicans voting in favor and all Democrats voting against. This is a defensive measure, said Je Senator Jeff Taylor, a Republican from Sioux Center. The courts have eaten away at religious freedom nationally, and that applies to our state as well. This is a defensive mechanism saying we need to prioritize the First Amendment. During debate, Democrats warned that such a law would give individuals legal cover to discriminate against others, especially minority religions and LGBTQ people, using religious freedom as a defense. <clears throat> religious freedom is important. Those of us who are members of a minority religious community are particularly cognizant of that, said Senator Jan Janice Weiner, a Democrat from Iowa City who is Jewish. The rule of law is also important. We cannot create exemptions that encourage people to pick and choose which laws they will follow. Weiner introduced an amendment that would have inserted into the bill protections against discrimination as prescribed by the Iowa Civil Rights Act. That proposed amendment was defeated along party lines. The amendment would clarify that RF R.A. is intended to protect religious freedom and at the same time avoid R.F.R.A. from being used to discriminate or impose on one person's or a group's religious beliefs on others and thereby sidestep the non-discrimination laws, Weiner said. It would restore the original intent of the R.F.R.A. A laws ensuring that religious freedom is used as a shield, not a sword. Senator Jason Schultz, a Republican from Schleswig, who managed the bill in the Senate, said the measure is needed because he believes in the original intent of the 1993 federal law, which was passed by a Democratic majority Congress and signed by Democratic President Bill Clinton. He said the Democratic Party's motivations have changed in the three decades since that law was passed. 
Schultz also pushed back at Democrats' arguments that the legislation would lead to state-sanctioned discrimination, calling some of the arguments during the debate drama soup. He also asserted that there has never been a case of a similar religious freedom law being used to target LGBT and whatever else is accepted anymore. It's never been that. It's never been used for that, Schultz said. We're restoring the original tent of the first am- intent of the First Amendment as interpreted by the Supreme Court. Versions of Iowa Republicans' religious freedom bill have been introduced in the Senate annually since, la- since at least 2018. This is the first time the bill passed out of the chamber. With its passage out of the Senate, SF-2095 is eligible for consideration in the House. Counties and townships would be allowed to devote money to religious organizations for public services under a bill that passed out of the House with bipartisan support. The bill, House File 2264, would allow church-managed organizations to receive public money if it is for a project that benefits the public and does not require any religious or secular services, educational programs, or participation requirements. Representative Ann Odmanson, a Republican from Volga, said the bill would allow public support for projects like food pantries and homeless shelters. The bill passed Tuesday near unanimously in the House with a vote of 93 to 2. Democratic Representatives Eleanor Levin of Iowa City and Megan Shrivas of Des Moines voted against the bill. This is a good bill. It's also going to be able to help individual nonprofits, said Representative Ako Abdul Samad, a Democrat from Des Moines. It's also going to be able to bring cities and nonprofits together to make sure they're serving the people. The bill now heads to the Iowa Senate, where it will be, need to pass and be signed by Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds before becoming law. Thank you, Pam. And the, there's a new police chief. <laughs> They're uh, swearing him in. They did swear him in. This is from Eldridge. New police chief sworn in. Lelig has been serving as interim police chief, written for us by Sarah Watson of the QC Times. Eldridge's new police chief, Andrew Lelig, was sworn in at Monday night's city council meeting. Lelig had been interim police chief since his predecessor, Joe Sisler, was forced to retire at the end of the year after controversy erupted over how he handed accusations that one of his officers was sexually abusing a 14-year-old girl. In 2022, Eldridge Police Officer Andrew DeNoyer was sentenced to 10 years in prison on three counts of sexual abuse. The parents of the girl then filed a lawsuit against Sidler and the city of Eldridge in August 2023, alleging Sidler knew of the sexual abuse allegations against DeNoyer and failed to investigate or report his officer for months. Sisler has said that he followed the law. That lawsuit is still ongoing. Lelig was chosen from six candidates for the chief position. The city council approved his selection unanimously earlier this month, agreeing to hire Lelig at a salary of $99,665, effective February 1. 
Before his interim role, Lelig served as deputy chief. He worked for the Eldridge Police Department since 2016 after a stint at the Scott County Sheriff's Office and then as a part of the Secret Service working at the White House during the Obama administration. Lettig said new policies and procedures had been put in place at the Eldridge Police Department to require that any complaint that comes in is investigated fully. There have been new policies and procedures put in place to prevent what happened in that situation, Lelick said. There are already in place. Those are already in place. Those are already working. As for an example, Lelick said, New regulations uh, requirements for investigations making it a standard. Any complaint that comes in is investigated fully. Lennox said his immediate goals for the police department is to continue keeping it well-staffed. The department is authorized at 11 officers, but has eight right now. He also said he hopes to rebuild connections in the community. I would love to do a kind of commuting planning session, community planning section, Lelig said. And with that, we would write members of the community, business owners and community organizations for a morning presentation with that to show different aspects of the police department. And the most important aspect of that is to listen to the people and show that we value their opinion. Davenport Progress Report. New ice rink, well-booked, tentative agreement with Humane Society. This article is written by Sarah Watson. Davenport has reached a tentative agreement with the Humane Society of Scott County for animal control services for the next year, Alderman said. The announcement appears to resolve, at least temporarily, an impasse between the city and the Humane Society of Scott County over funding for animal control services. That includes sheltering stray animals and responding to animal-related calls for service, such as rescuing animals, animals in distress, reuniting lost pets with their owners, and responding to nuisance complaints. At the Council's February 14th meeting, at-large alderman Jasmine Newton announced they had reached a tentative agreement and a formalized written agreement would come to the City Council for approval in March. The City Council then tabled an item that would have directed the City to form its own animal control unit within the Police Department. Newton said that the agreement would include a higher dollar amount for the one-year term from July 1 of this year to June 2025. Further details are expected when the Council votes on the formal agreement. Newton added that the one year would give the city and Humane Society additional time to form a task force and come up with a sustainable long-term solution. We're going to continue working together, Newton said, calling the agreement one step in the right direction. Representatives from the Humane Society, a nonprofit, have said the current cost of providing animal control to Davenport is $1.388 million dollars and that Davenport makes up 87% of the services the Society's Animal Protection Services Unit provides for the whole county. 
Davenport's contract, approved by the council in June 2022, agreed to an annual fee of roughly $400,000, plus a city-provided car, fuel, dispatch radios, and funds for kennels. In August, the Humane Society notified Davenport it wanted to terminate its agreement in February because it was underfunded. After months of negotiation, the Humane Society and Davenport came to a short-term agreement in January to continue services until at least July, with an additional $250,000 payment from the city. New Fire Station Online Davenport Fire Station Number 3 became operational February 12, the Monday after the ribbon-cutting ceremony, Fire Chief Mike Carlston said. The fire department has steadily transferred firefighting equipment and apparatus to the new station, located between Welcome Way and Brady Street on 42nd Street. The $10 million new fire station moves Station 3 from the Duck Creek floodplain and allows fire engines to exit quickly onto either one-way thoroughfare. New, new ice rink already well booked. Also, the new second ice rink at River's Edge in Davenport is close to fully booked this winter after opening at the start of the year, city officials say. The city decommissioned an indoor turf field at River's Edge, 700 West River Drive, and reverted it back to a second rink, which opened to skaters at the start of the year. The Quad Cities hockey community flooded a 2022 park study public comment period with requests for a second ice rink at River's Edge to meet a growing need for indoor space. City staff said the River's Edge required more than $500,000 transfer in physical 2023. The opening of the ice rink is several years ahead of schedule. In the capital improvement budget approved by the City Council in early 2023, the City budgeted the second ice rink conver conversion for the outer years of the six-year plan, but demand bought the ice rink early, brought the ice rink earlier. The final cost to convert the ice rink was $236,500, said Parks Director Chad Dyson. See the calendar for both ice rinks online at davenportiowacom government department parks underline recreation rivers underline edge. Group violence shots fired down eight homicides in 2023. Police Chief Jeb, Jeff Bladell told council members in an update on Tuesday that the eight homicides in 2023, none were related to group or gang violence. The city first rolled out GVI in May 2022, which was a strategy for the police department, social service agency representatives, and community members to go directly to people at risk of offending or being victims of, victims of gun violence with a message to put the guns down. Ladell said in 2023, the program talked to 123 people, 94 adults and 29 juveniles, and 12 of those people re-offended with a weapon. 68 families reached out for the services and more than 40 community members were trained to do notifications. The number of shots fired instances are down year over year, Bladell told the council members. In 2022, there were 171 shots fired instances and in 2023, there were 123. 
Non-fatal shooting incidents decreased by 20% between 2022 and 2023, Bladell said. And there was a 55% decrease in group violence-related non-fatal incidents. But there are still were eight homicides, Bladell said, which were the result of intimate partner, partner violence and personal disputes. We still... We're still getting shootings, and we're still having shooting victims, Bladell said. So that's why it's important for us, as your police department, to continue to figure out different pathways on how we can reduce all violence associated with guns. Davenport eyeing changes to curb replacement. Also on Tuesday, city engineer Brian Schott provided recommendations for code changes for curbs, sanitary, and storm sewer. Shad said currently it is the adjacent property owner's responsibility to maintain the curb and requests for curb replacement are funded 50-50 by the city and property owner, similar to sidewalks. But, Shad told the council members, the city staff feel that the curb is part of the street and storm sewer systems and so should be the city's responsibility. Now for more local news. Mercer County uh, Sheriff's Investigating Fatal Crash, written for us by Anthony Watt of the uh, QC Online. The Mercer County Sheriff's Office is investigating a fatal crash. The two-vehicle collision happened on February 16th on U.S. Route um, 67 near Preemption, according to a Sheriff's Office news release issued Tuesday. Authorities sent both drivers to Unity Point Health, Trinity, Rock Island, where one of them died. The sheriff's office did not provide further details on the driver, when the driver died, or the cause of death. The release did not include further details about the other driver or the crash. Rock Island County Sheriff's Office deputies, firefighters from Cole Valley, Sherrard and Matherville, and AMT Ambulance all assisted Mercer County with the crash. QC Expo Career Fair this afternoon will be at the Bend Expo in East Moline, written for us by Olivia Allen. Quad Cities Colleges and Universities have joined forces to host QC Expo 24, inviting local students to explore job opportunities, interns, and graduate school programs. The event will run from 1 to 4 p.m. on Wednesday, today, at the Bend Expo on 922 Mississippi Parkway in East Moline. Attendees will have a chance to meet with professionals from various career fields and graduate schools, especially those who value skills and experiences unique to students from small, private liberal arts colleges, said an event advisory from Augustana College Career Development and Vocation Office. Professional dress is required at this event, along with Augie QC. Expo 24 is sponsored by Black Hawk College, St. Ambrose University, Eastern Iowa Community Colleges, and Western Illinois University Quad Cities. And Iowa Works to Host Disability Inclusion Training, written for us by Gretchen Teske. Inclusion in the workplace is the topic of discussion for a training hosted by Iowa Works next week. 
Iowa Works in Davenport is inviting local employees to learn the latest trends on creating an inclusive workplace. The Leap into Inclusion Employer Disability Awareness Training will take place Thursday, February 29th, 11 a.m. till 1 p.m. at the Iowa Works Center, which is at 1801A East Kimberly Road. The training is free and lunch will be provided for those who register in advance. RSVPs are requested by February 23rd online. This training allows for employers to learn the latest trends in workplace inclusion, said Chad Pratt, Area Office Supervisor for Iowa Vocational Rehabilitation Service. Providing resources for our area employers can also help create innovative ideas to take back to their workplaces. A business panel will be on hand to share workplace experiences, and there will be a question and answer session. Society for Human Resource Management, SHRM, and Human Resources Certification Institute, HRC1, credits are available for participants in the training. Fame of Thrones, Three Reasons Americans Are Still So Obsessed with British Royalty. The pomp, the glamour, the conflicts, the characters. When it comes to Britain's royal family, Americans can't seem to get enough. Though through weddings, divorces, birth, deaths, they've been invested in it all. That was evident following the recent announcement of King Charles III's treatment for cancer. While, yes, the United States got its start in 1776 by rejecting British royalty as a form of governance and fighting a war to get away from it, Americans have never quite been able to quit their love of the spectacle of it all. And in the celebrity-obsessed modern America, and it's one of the most compelling storylines around. But why? Number one. Who doesn't love a good fairy tale? Kings and queens, princes and princes, they're mainstays of fairy tales and other stories of imagination and play. They're references for power and prestige, like Aretha Franklin as the Queen of Soul, or the administration of John F. Kennedy as Camelot. And when there's a fairy tale romance presented as with Charles and Diana in 1981, or high tragedy with the premature death of Diana 16 years later, the intensity spikes. The monarchy becomes a kind of holy grail for everyone because that is the ultimate in terms of wealth, power, glamour, charisma, all of those things which you don't have in that boring at home situation, says Maria Tatar, a professor of folklore and mythology at Harvard University. The British royals aren't the only ones who capture the American public imagination. In 1956, Philadelphia's Grace Kelly, already a celebrity as an actor, married Prince Rainier III of Monaco. The ceremony was recorded and broadcast and watched by millions of Americans. Reason number two, the U.S. and the U.K. always connected. While kings and queens might always be of some interest, there's no denying that the residents of Buckingham Palace hold a special place for Americans, given the two countries' long history with each other. 
when the colonies decided to break ties with England and become independent, that was a political decision rather than a cultural one, says Joanne Freeman, a professor of history at Yale University. But while people were stepping away from the king and centralized power and tyranny politically, they had been British subjects who saw Great Britain and the king as the height of sophistication and the height of everything, she says. The countries maintained relationship politically and economically. There was a social and cultural element as well. In the 19th century, some rich Americans would find husbands for their daughters among the British aristocracy. And, of course, the 20th century has plenty of examples of music, television, etc. that traveled between the two societies. Reason number three, the cult of celebrity. America loves, and sometimes loves to hate, celebrities. This we know. And in this modern era of ubiquitous social media and technology, when there's the impulse to make people famous for even the flimsiest of reality TV reasons, having a royal title means it's all but inescapable. It's absolutely stunning to see how many stories, how many pieces of gossip can be out there and either all or in the ether all at once, says Aaron Carlson, an entertainment journalist and author. This supercharged celebrity news environment creates almost a reality show, Carlson says. It makes a reality show out of William and Kate and Harry and Meghan and Charles and Camilla. And we become glued to our phone screens for the next morsel of gossip. Being interested in the royals is also something Americans can do in a guilt-free way because they're not ours, Freeman says. You can admire things in the monarchy and the pageant and the pomp and the fascinators on the women at big events because it's over there. It's not over here, she says. And in a sense, culturally, you could do that, and politically, there really aren't any implications at all. Thank you, Pam. We have a little bit of time before the obituaries, and um, I think I'll just go ahead and go to the pendings. Diane K. Lambert, 87, of Davenport, passed away Saturday, February 17th. Arrangements are pending at the Range Mortuary, Davenport. Mary Ann Cullen, 66, of Leclerc, passed away Sunday, February 18th, at home. Arrangements are pending at Halligan McCabe DeVries Funeral Home in Davenport. Raymond P. Fontenoy, 80, of East Moline, passed away Friday, February 16th, at the University of Iowa Hospital, Iowa City, Arrangements are pending at Van Ho Funeral Home, East Moline. Mary L. Anderson, 79, of Hampton, Illinois, passed away Sunday, February 18th, at Clarissa C. Cook Hospice House, Bettendorf. Arrangements are pending at Schroeder Mortuary, Silvis. Peggy Huffstutler, 80, of Moline, passed away Wednesday, February 14th, at Celebrate Senior Living. 
Arrangements are pending at Esterdal Mortuary and Crematory in Limited in Moline. Marjorie E. Thies, 100 of East Moline, passed away Thursday, February 15th at home. Arrangements are pending at Schroeder Mortuary in Silvis. Robert K. Wilkins, Sr., 93, formerly of Bennett, Iowa, passed away Tuesday, February 20th at Cedar Manor Nursing Home in Tipton. Arrangements are pending with Fry Funeral Home in Tipton. Now, starting with the obituaries, Elizabeth Aaron Osan, that's spelled O-H-S-A-N-N, 42, passed away on Thursday, February 15th at home in Eldridge. Notwithstanding a diagnosis of cancer at the age of 20, Elizabeth fought valiantly to overcome the disease and its side effects in the subsequent years. She graduated from the University of Iowa with a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology while working as a research assistant in the psychology department. Her daughters, Olivia Rose and Lillian May, are her greatest achievement. She was born on February 18, 1981, in Davenport. Memorials may be made to the family. Survivors include her daughters, Mother Rebecca Osan of Florida, Sarah Osan Shaler of Eldridge, Michelle Osan Vicini of Colorado, brothers Brad Osan of Parkview, Nathan Osan of Colorado, Zach Osan of Arkansas, many nieces, nephews, and cousins. Share a memory or condolence at www.gibsonbodeth.com. Arthur Art Ramsey, Arthur Art Raymond Savary. Arthur Art Raymond Savary, 91 of Davenport, passed quietly Wednesday afternoon, February 14, at Harmony Davenport Nursing Home. Art is survived by his five children, Cynthia Arson of Mesa, Arizona, Lynn Duve of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Maria Devaney of Davenport, Brett Savory of Johnsboro, Arkansas, and Troy Savory of Granado, Arizona. At his passing, he has 11 grandchildren, 24 great-grandchildren, and one great-great-grandchild. He was preceded in death by his wife, Betty, in 2011, his parents, Raymond, 1971, and Madge McKinney, 1991, and one sister, Roberta Babe Klein, 2014. Art was born November 13, 1932, in Dubuque. After graduating from Dubuque Senior High School, he enlisted in the U.S. Army in 1952. He became a radar maiden supervisor inspector with the rank of staff staff sergeant. He served in Vietnam in 1965 and then became a U.S. Army recruiter in eastern Iowa before retiring in 1975. Art married Betty Ann Sass in 1954, who supported his military career, raising their five children. In 1982, they began to work together as motel managers in St. George, Utah, then continued in Sierra Vista and Phoenix, Arizona. They returned to Davenport in 2002. Art was always busy on a project, working with his hands. His recent hobbies included model building, woodworking, and jigsaw puzzles. He also enjoyed collecting and cataloging 
albums, and videos of musical. He and Betty enjoyed traveling and fishing, and during their younger years, camping trips with the children. The family would like to provide a special thank you to the staff and friends at Davenport Lutheran Home and to Harmony Davenport Nursing Home and Heartland Hospice Services, who assisted our father at his life's journey's end. Art requested that no funeral or memorial service be held. He, his, and Betty's ashes will be inured together at Southern Southern Arizona Veterans Memorial Cemetery in Sierra Vista, Arizona, with full military honors. Condolences may be left directly to the family by visiting www.iowacremation.com under obituaries. Thank you, Pam. Davenport. Charles A. Buzz Vance, July 5, 1940 to February 19, 2024. Charles A. Buzz Vance, 83, of Davenport, died Monday, February 19th, at home with his son and granddaughter at his side. Funeral services to celebrate Buzz's life will be 6.30 p.m. Friday, February 23rd at the Holligan McCabe DeVries Funeral Home, Davenport. Visitation will be held from 4 until 6.30 p.m. Friday at the funeral home. Burial will take place at a later date in the Rock Island National Cemetery, Arsenal Island, with military honors. Memorials may be made to the disabled American veterans. Charles Arthur Vance was born July 5, 1940, in Davenport, a son of Charles David and Margaret Davis Vance. He graduated from St. Ambrose Academy in 1958 and enlisted in the Army shortly after. He was stationed primarily stateside in Washington and Alaska, and his tour of duty was extended with the Bay of Pigs invasion. Buzz owned, uh, excuse me, Buzz was united in marriage to Susan Lee Frick on December 1, 1962 at St. Mary's Catholic Church in Davenport. She preceded him in death on July 15, 2015. Buzz owned and operated Vance's haircutters in Davenport until he retired at the age of 77. He enjoyed cultivating his backyard every spring so Susan could plant flowers and plants. He also enjoyed Elvis and his Lincoln Town Car. Buzz was past exalted ruler of the Elks Lodge and past chair of the Scott County Republicans. Survivors include his son and daughters-in-law, John and Christina Vance, and Jane Vance, all of Davenport. Grandchildren, Alexis Kayla, uh, John David, and Sarah Jane, great-granddaughter, Cece Rusnick, and a sister, Jean Mock in Davenport. In addition to his wife, Susan, he was preceded in death by his son, Tom Vance, and his parents. Online condolences may be expressed by visiting www.hmdfuneralhome.com. And then, in from Taylor Ridge, Jack Gilbert Swim, March 17, 1927 to February 15, 2024. 
Jack Gilbert Swain, 96, of Taylor Ridge, passed away February 15th at Unity Point Health, Trinity, Rock Island. Join us to celebrate Jack at a memorial service at 12 p.m. on Friday, February 23rd at Whelan Presley Funeral Home in Crematory, Rock Island. Private internment will be in Rock Island Memorial Park. In lieu of flowers, memorials may be made to Two Rivers United Methodist Church, 1825th Avenue, Rock Island, 61201. Jack was born on March 17, 1927, in Cambridge, Illinois, to Harold and Evelyn Gager Swim. In 1944, December, after earning enough credits, Jack left Rock Island High School before graduation and enlisted in the U.S. Navy. Jack served during World War II in the Pacific building runways on the islands of Saipan, Timian and Guam, where he joined his two brothers. After discharge from the Navy in 1946, he returned to Rock Island and married Marilyn Johnson on June 22, 1947. Marilyn sadly preceded Jack in death on September 30, 1982. Jack continued to pursue his education and, in 1948, was a charter graduate from the New Moline Community College. Next, he attended Bradley University and completed his Bachelor of Science degree in Mechanical Engineering. Jack worked at the Rock Island Arsenal for over 31 years and enjoyed over 38 years of retirement that began on January 3, 1986. Cherishing Jack's memory and his, are his children and their spouses, Carol and Donald, India, Patty and Dwayne Chappett, daughter-in-law Kathy Swim, Stephen Shannon Swim, grandchildren and their spouses. Jack was often described as the real deal and one of a kind. Whether it was hosting in or Minnesota, traveling to a beach destination, or heading up to fish at Sandy Bay, Saskatchewan, Jack met you with a smile and a happy hour invitation. He was a gifted storyteller and prankster, a respected colleague, a best friend, and a beloved father, father-in-law. He loved being a pilot, a woodworker, reading about World War II, and telling his grandchildren and great-grandchildren fantasy stories about two pigs named Ham and Bacon. He will be greatly missed. He was preceded in death by his parents, son Mike Swim, and brothers Harold Swim and Kenny Swim. Condolences may be shared with the family at wielandpresley.com. Mary Molly Ekman died on Tuesday, February 20th at Clarissa C. Cook Hospice House in Bettendorf. Molly was born June 4th, 1957 in South Bend, Indiana to Donald R. and Barbara A. Ekman. Molly received her master's degree in industrial engineering from the University of Northern Iowa. She enjoyed spending her time with friends at Taylor Ridge in Davenport. Mary is survived by her mother, Barbara Ekman, and siblings George Ekman, Catherine Guhin, Margaret Ekman, Jane Vance, and Sarah Poach. She was preceded in death by her father, Donald Ekman, and brothers-in-law Richard Guhin and Thomas Vance. A 
private family service for Mary was held at Halligan McCabe DeVry's funeral home. In lieu of flowers, the family asks you make donations to your local hospice service and or hospice house. Online condolences may be expressed by visiting www.hmdfuneralhome.com. David DeWight Newton passed away on Sunday, February 18th at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics in Iowa City. Visitation for David Dwight Newton, 70, of Davenport will be on Saturday, February 24, from 9.30 to 11 a.m. at McGinnis Chambers Funeral Home, Bettendorf. Grade site of services will follow at Pine Hill Cemetery in Davenport. David was born on May 3, 1953, in Muscatine, the son of Eugene and Doris um, Ironman Newton. He married Karen Eichenberger at the Little Brown Church in Nashua, Iowa on September 27, 1975. He was employed as an iron worker for Local 111 Rock Island, retiring in 2003. In his earlier years, he enjoyed hunting and fishing. Survivors include his wife, Karen of Davenport, daughters Michelle Newton, Erica Newton, both of Davenport, son Isaac Newton of Davenport, grandchildren Isaiah Newton, Xavion Smith, Clarissa Smith, Zen Smith, and a brother, Paul Newton of Davenport. He was preceded in death by his parents and sister, Stella Newton. Online condolences may be shared with the family at www.mcginnischambers.com. Glenn Larry Eaton, 82, Tipton, passed away on Monday, February 19th at Cedar Manor Nursing Home in Tipton, surrounded by his family. Funeral services will be held at 10.30 a.m. Saturday, February 24th at Fry Funeral Home, Tipton, and officiated by Reverend Ron Lashmitt. Burial will follow at the Masonic Cemetery in Tipton. Visitation will be from 5 to 7 p.m. Friday, February 23, at the Fry Funeral Home. Online condolences may be shared at www.fryfuneralhome.com. Robert Kenneth Wilkins, Sr., October 30, 1930 to February 20, 2024. Robert Kenneth Wilkins, Sr., 93, passed away on Tuesday, February 20th, while under the care of Cedar Manor Nursing Home in Tipton. Visitation will be held on Friday, February 23rd, from 9 to 11 a.m., with funeral services beginning at 11 a.m. at Fry Funeral Home in Tipton. Burial will follow in the Inland Cemetery in Bennett. A time of food and fellowship will follow at the Bennett American Legion. Online condolences may be shared at www.fryfuneralhome.com. Should friends so desire, a memorial fund has been created for the Cedar Manor Nursing Home. Robert, son of Roy and Llewellyn Kennecott Wilkins, was born on October 30, 1930, in Harvey, Illinois. Robert graduated from high school and worked several different jobs, but eventually pursued his lifelong career of farming. He ended in Cedar County, Iowa, and started farming in 1955 and farmed in several different locations, but most of his farming career in the Bennett area. On 
March 15, 1948, Robert was married to Leona Williams in Davenport. Leona passed away on October 18, 1999. On December 23, 2011, Robert was united in marriage to Shirley von Minster, who later passed away on January 26, 2022. Robert is survived by his children, Robert Wilkins, Jr., Michael Wilkins, both of Bennett, Wendy Smith of Durant, six grandchildren, 12 great-grandchildren, and one great-great-grandchild. He was preceded in death by his parents, his wives, Leona and Shirley, brother, Leroy H. Wilkins, and his son-in-law, Craig Michael Smith, and his grandson-in-law, Dan Conrad. Binsley, Christine Scherer, January 2nd to February 18, 2024. Bensley passed away Sunday, February 18th at Unity Point Trinity, Rock Island, Illinois. Funeral services for Bensley Christine Scherer, infant daughter of Kelsey R. Scherer and Jeff Whitney, will be 1 o'clock p.m. Friday, February 23rd at New Life Fellowship Church, 2345 19th Street, Moline. Visitation will be one hour prior to services at the church. The family also asks that this be a celebration of Bensley's life and invite those attending services to wear pink or bright colored attire. Van Ho Funeral Home East Moline is assisting the family with arrangements. In lieu of flowers and gifts, the family asks that donations be made to 3484 Field Psych Drive, Bettendorf, 52722, for the family of Bensley Christine Scherer. Bensley was born January 2, 2024, in Davenport. Bensley passed peacefully in her six short weeks here on earth. She touched many lives and was deeply loved by family and friends. Her life was a brief gift to us, but she made a forever impact. We know that she is not only in the arms of Jesus, but also with our beloved Miller. Those left to cherish her memory are her parents, Kelsey Scherer and Jeff Whitney from Cole Valley, Illinois, brother Brixton, sisters J.C. and Raylene, grandparents Daniel Cooper, Russ Garza, Scott and Carol Whitney, great-grandparents Dennis and Doreen Scherer, and Richard Whitney, East Moline, aunts and uncles, and other close relations. Bensley was preceded in death by her great-great-grandma Miller. Great great grandpa Miller, great great grandma Pa and Grandma Sharer, great grandma Eileen Whitney, great grandma Betty Van der Wostein, and cousins Jack Bregan and Mark. Online condolences may be left for the family at vanho.com. Joyce Jeanette Jansen, 89, of Davenport, went to be with her Lord and Savior on Tuesday, February 6th. She died peacefully after a short illness. Joyce was born July 1, 1934, in Davenport, to William and Pearl Fromm, where she graduated from Davenport. 
Davenport High School and was employed by Northwestern Bell Telephone. She married Ernest Jansen on December 19, 1952 in Davenport. They traveled to Germany while he served in the U.S. Air Force, returning to Davenport after his discharge. Together they raised three sons on the family farm in Eldridge, Iowa. Joyce was active throughout her life, helping on the farm, serving as a Cub Scout den mother for all three boys, playing cards with family and friends, dancing, gardening, and spending time with her family. Joyce and Ernie retired to Chiraw, South Carolina in 1985. While there, she was active as a Sunday school teacher, daycare director of the First United Methodist Church, and a volunteer at St. David's Church Thrift Store. She continued to be active in the community after Ernie's death in 2011 until she returned to Davenport in 2017 to be closer to her family and friends and her home church, St. Matthew Lutheran Church. Joyce is survived by her sons, Steve Jansen of Harrisonville, Missouri, Jeff Jansen of Bella Vista, Arizona, grandchildren Stacy Jansen, Jay Jansen, Jimmy Jansen, Sarah Cummings, Anna Ponder, seven great-grandchildren and two great-great-grandchildren. Joyce was preceded in death by her parents, infant brother Floyd W. Fromm, sister Virginia Owens, husband Ernest, son James Jansen, and grandson Christopher Jansen. Uh, Dolores D. Ann de Puter of Bettendorf passed away peacefully on Sunday, February 18, 2024, at Clarissa C. Cook Hospice House in Bettendorf. Funeral services and mass of Christian burial will be held at 11 a.m. Friday, February 23, at Our Lady of Lourdes Catholic Church in Bettendorf. Visitation will be held from 9.30 a.m. to 10.45 a.m. on Friday at the church. Burial will follow at Mount Calvary Cemetery in Davenport. Memorials will may be made to Our Lady of Lourdes Catholic Church. McGinnis Chambers Funeral Home of Bettendorf is assisting the family uh, with the arrangements. It's time for the opinions from the Quad City Times. I'm going to read some short editorials. Support bill to require Iowa's participation in EBT program. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is launching a summer Detroit, excuse me, a summer electronic benefit transfer program for children, offering federal funds to low-income families with school-aged children when schools are closed in the summer, about $40 per month for kids who qualify. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds refuses to accept EBT funds, even though these funds are earmarked for children who receive free and reduced-price lunches at school, for which around 40% of Iowa children qualify. AAUW Iowa urges voters to contact their Iowa legislators to support Senate File 2039, a bill that would require Iowa to participate in the summer EBT program to support Iowa's kids. I'm afraid this concern may have been lost in an attempt to understand or being or bring reason to so many other concerns this session. Written for us by Elaine Cress, president of AAUW Davenport Bettendorf College and University for AAI excuse me, AAUW, Iowa. 
Immigration issues too complex to be expressed by raw numbers. Immigration discussions focus on numbers at the border. President Reagan's 1986 act provided 3 million immigrants previously entering illegally to secure legal status after paying a fine and back taxes. Since then, there has been no significant change in immigration law, despite 38 years of changing conditions. From Reagan until about 2019, 80 percent of those at the border were from Mexico, Guatemala, and Honduras seeking work, such as the Guatemalans arrested in Postville in 2008. Today, Africa, China, Cuba, Haiti, Middle Eastern countries, Russia, Ukraine, and other non-contiguous nations are increasingly significant parts of the total. Migrants from India, encountered in three months of 2023, increased by 9,000 over the same period in 2022. Reflecting the increase in numbers at the border, the Biden administration has deported more than five times the number than did Trump's. While the Trump administration gave ICE broad authority to arrest anyone illegally present, it did not result in the promised millions of deportations. Biden's administration had lowered number of ICE arrests and deportations due to targeting those with criminal records rather than workers, but more overall deportations. Migration and immigration issues are too complex to be expressed by the number of people at the border. We need immigration reform that reflects our right to secure our borders, the need for new workers in the face of Americans aging out of the workforce, and our common humanity. Written for us by Glenn Leach of Davenport. Davenport willing to take away hard-fought freedoms. How many citizens, all elected, on the city council either served in the armed forces or have family members who are serving or, are, or died? Is fighting our for our freedom, including speech, not the purpose for engaging in conflicts? How can these 10 council members possibly justify censoring the participation of Davenport citizens in council meetings? Public comments limited, Quad City Times issue, February 5th. Only two regular meetings per month, and the past five minutes allowed will be cut to three minutes. The city will no longer stream regular meetings public. Uh, the city will no longer stream regular meetings public content. Matson said the city legal staff would edit out potentially defamatory public comments. So, who supplies the definition of defamation? Um, Randy Evans, Iowa, Iowa Freedom of Information Executive Director, urged the city to avoid stifling public criticism. We live in Davenport, Iowa. Democracy is very, very important to us. How can these 10 people forget this extremely important fact? No, they didn't forget. We have been experiencing these anti-democracy techniques for quite some time now. Examples, Judith Lee and Derek Cornett, were very controlled and censored. Lack of transparency regarding the fatal collapse of the Davenport building. No transparency about the payoff of the $1.6 million city administrator and monies given to other staff depart departures. Please read the small book on tyranny by Timothy Snyder. It explains just what is happening to us at the present time. We have had many people fight for our precious freedoms. These should not be allowed to casually slip away. What does this quote mean to you? 
we can only lose our power by failing to use it. And this uh, article, uh, letter was written by Pat Jones of Davenport. And I have one more short one to read here. Push to approve Carbon Dioxide Transport Safety Act. Illinois readers, if you haven't already done so, please email or call your Illinois State Senator and Illinois State Representative to ask him or her to co-sponsor the Carbon Dioxide Transport and Storage Protections Act and ensure it moves through the legislative process to pass this spring. Ethanol, fertilizer, and other manufacturing companies are seeking to cash in on federal tax credits before the efficacy and safety of CO2 pipeline is assured. The carbon cost of these pipelines is huge and defeats of any carbon gains which might be made. Additionally, burying CO2 waste in the Illinois sandstone at the proposed scale is unproven at best and dangerous at worst. Also, it is very possible that eminent domain would be used to force landowners to relinquish control of their property. Eminent domain was never designed for private gain. Please ask your state senator and representative to do their duty to represent you. This article was, or excuse me, this letter was written by Holly Morell, who comes from Rock Island. Thank you, Pam. And that brings us to the end of the Quad City Times for today. I'm Patty Daniels, and my partner at the microphone has been Pam Rhodes. You can listen to Iowa's programs on any computer or smart device at any time at iowaradioreading.org. Thank you for listening to IRIS, Iowa's first and only radio reading service.